We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. All right. Well, welcome. Today on the show, our guest is Mr. Brad Gregorich. He's the current principal at Hillcrest Elementary and a proud alumni of Rocky Mountain College, a former Batland Bear. Welcome, hey. Brad. Hey, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to, to talk a little bit uh, little bit about the job of being a transformative principal here. Maybe a little Batland Bear action. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, Well, Brad, let's start. Tell us a little bit about your background as it relates to to education and, and leadership. Sure. So, um, well, you know, as you know, uh, got my, my undergrad degree at, at Rocky Mountain College up in, in Billings, Montana. Um, first job out of school is in Sheridan, Wyoming. Taught fourth grade there for, for five years. And during that time, picked up my, my administration degree, actually going back to Rocky. I think I was in the, the third cohort of their educational leadership program. Through that, through the opportunities there, you know, had been in an internship at the junior high in Sheridan, and that was a really great experience. And a few years later, had an opportunity to, to go there as an assistant principal, learned for a few years, ended up back at my um, my former elementary school as the head principal. Um, and then my wife was from, from Gillette. Um, you know, we, we got married, started having kids, and it was time to get back closer to family. So we, you know, saw some opportunities here in Gillette, and I applied for the position here at Hillcrest. And um, we made the move. This is year five in, in Gillette. And so, yeah, I've been here at Hillcrest, kind of worked through worked through uh, what was the COVID and the pandemic. And uh, now we're kind of, you know, storming into 2022-23. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know, you know, the, t- the topic that you and I talked a little bit about that we wanted to dive into today on the show 
was was building the culture of your school and I know you've been in a couple different um, schools and even districts like I always think of Sheridan as having a really kind of distinct culture which may be different you know from elementary to middle or from Sheridan to, to Campbell County but let's talk a little bit about what what have you done or or what would you recommend new principals do coming in to have a focus on the culture of our school yeah I think it's um you know, culture is one of those things. I remember, I think it was after my first year as an assistant principal in Sheridan, I got an opportunity to go to a conference down in Atlanta. One of the phrases that I'd heard brought up there, and it just makes a ton of sense, especially coming, you know, applies much the same in athletics, you know, culture trumps strategy. And so, you know, culture has always been at the forefront of my mind. And it's one of those things where I don't think you've ever arrived with a building's culture. I think it's something you always have to have the, the pulse on, take the temperature of and be actively working at maintaining and improving. And coming out of the pandemic, you know, now that we're a couple of years removed, and I know everywhere around the country is in a little bit different place, but here in Wyoming, you know, we're pretty, pretty well back to maybe what it was prior. But one of the things that I think we really have to focus on as a building um, is, is reestablishing, you know, reestablishing culture you know, both for students and for staff, you know, you had teachers, I've got a couple of teachers that are now, you know, in their third year where their first year, they were teaching kids with a mask, kids weren't allowed to be even really near each other in the classroom, let alone, you know, you got a first grade teacher, you're not asking them not to bring their kids up to the carpet type of situation, you know, you're learning how to teach that. And, you know, I had taken from a culture perspective, I had take, I tried to take a lot off of teachers plates at that time, you know, it was a stressful environment, you've got trying to teach, you know, teach with masks, with the, with the social distancing, not to mention kids coming in and out of the classroom, you know, with quarantine restrictions and, and absenteeism related to that. So I've really thought that reestablishing culture and building culture now is as important as it ever has been and maybe more so. And so, you know, for a new principal coming in, you really have to be open and honest with your staff where you're at and, you know, looking at for leadership on your staff and getting their feedback. You know, I think there's very, very much, you know, identifiable action steps you can take, but um, a culture, again, I'm just going to come back to a culture, culture, Trump strategy. You can have, you know, great instructional practices, you know, that knowledge, but you also have to have the teams and the building and that, in that positive energy to create momentum going forward. Well, when you, when you come in new to, to the building as a principal, how, how do you first figure out where the culture is? Like, how, how do you gauge that? Cause it, you know, we can look at, we can look at academic scores and accountability ratings and all that, but how do you, as the new principal come in and measure current reality with the culture of the school? You gotta be, you gotta be visible. You gotta be around, you gotta be talking to people. You know, um, I was fortunate, I think, stepping into Hillcrest Elementary, you know, there was a really, really positive culture here. Um, and there is to this day, but a very positive culture about of why we were here. And I was supporting kids and really, you know, turning over every rock to support the kids in the building. But as a new principal, you know, the guy that I replaced, um, he'd been here, he'd started here as a teacher and worked his way up to be the building principal and had been here, you know, I think nearly two decades. And, and so 
you know, that's a, that's a big void to fill stepping in somebody that is known that the community knows that the staff knows really well. And so it takes time. You have to have a lot, honestly, a lot of conversations, see what, um, and this is, you know, my own personal philosophy, but I think it's backed up by a lot of, you know, what, what you'll read is you have to see what's in place in a building. What are the structures? What are the systems that, that are in place and explore those and learn about it. And then, um, you know, have a process for making decisions and getting feedback for staff and, and then eventually making change. You know, my first year, I didn't make, you know, I didn't ask for much change. You know, my opening staff meeting was really about, you know, why are we here? What's the purpose that we're here and trying to learn, learn from the staff and then being open and honest to feedback from them in conversation. And then, you know, as you work with your leadership team going into year two, you can start you making some adjustments. I just don't, I'm not a big believer in, in, in coming in with the big stick and, and trying to make change in your first year. You got to learn. Yeah. And especially if you're coming in to a school that's had consistent leadership and, you know, it sounds like a really ingrained culture that could be different than like my situation where you come into a, a building that's gone through a lot of turnover and, and that can yeah. lead to its own unique culture, right. you know, every every year every two years new leadership that that usually doesn't have a great impact on the the culture of the staff so how do you how do you help your staff see you know the culture that you want that you're working towards do you guys you know define that do you have do you have a way that staff know if they're living up to it or as a school we're we're at the the point we want with our culture what do you what do you do to see where you're at with the culture yeah and so i think you know um one of the things that i don't know where where your school's at but you know coming out of so last year as, as a building our, our district provided some some high quality professional development for for elementary schools actually for all schools that was focused on you know having a, an effective rti model in process. So we had some good things going in our building in terms of, you know, tiers of instruction and, and um, identified intervention times and, and uh, the principal before me and the instructional facilitator before me had really brought the staff together to start down the journey of being a professional learning community. So we had a lot of those things in place, but through that work in the RTI model, we had re-envisioned what our building's leadership team looked like. Um, came together as, you know, we call it our guiding coalition. And it's made up of, it's a cross section of the entire staff and we're a big staff. So we have, you know, right now we're about 415 kids, K-6, you know, and between certified and classified staff, you know, about 70 adults in and out of the building through the course of a day. So it's a large building, large staff. And we needed to get, we needed to get input from everybody. And so our guiding coalition is comprised. It's a large team. But it's important to have that opportunity for everybody and on your staff to have representation, especially when it is so large. So it started, you know, kind of revisiting our culture that way. Um, and then coming in, you know, or through the through that work, um, we identified one of our major needs was social emotional learning for our for our kiddos. We did some, you know, did some book studies, explored some resources, and eventually came to um, came to the Leader in Me program from Franklin Covey, Seven Habits of of Happy Kids. And so we kind of started on that journey as a staff this, this fall. Um, and that's been incredibly positive for culture. 
you know, both for adults and for kids. In fact, we just ended the first quarter, had our first celebration assembly, had some kids getting up, talking and being, you know, sharing how they are leaders in the building with seven habits. And that was tremendous. Um, awesome. But in yeah. yeah, it was really cool. It's so cool to see a kindergartner get up and talk about how they're proactive right? <laughs> yeah. and, just, and, and speak confidently about it. You know, I love it. But in addition to that, and then there were some things. So the state of Wyoming, you know, for schools. So we were, we went through a reflection process as a staff with that guiding coalition. And we used actually some tools from, from the WDE um, and re- reflected on, you know, several areas and one of the areas, and I, I relate this back to um, part of, you know, I had taken things off the plate of teachers during, during the pandemic, you know, we weren't having as many committee meetings. We weren't meeting before or after schools as frequently, you know, and that was, I, I mean, in all honesty, a bit of a survival, you know, survival response. Um, and just trying to keep the stress level for the teachers as low as I possibly could. But what that led to is a breakdown of communication. And so what I appreciate about our leadership team is they were really honest with me and like where we were at with like top down and East West communication as a building. And so, you know, we had some great reflective conversations and we are putting, putting some things in place that we had prior to COVID we're bringing, you know, reconstituting committees and taking a look at how we make decisions as a building and really just garnering that input from all stakeholders for a lot of the decisions that we make as a building. So, you know, maybe the decision-making process slows down a little bit because you have that reciprocity of, you know, committees out to the teams, back to committees, back to the whole group. But ultimately, you're, you know, you're creating better clarity for your teachers on, on why we're doing what we're doing and the changes that we're making. So it was kind of using some of the tools that the state department provided for us that were actually really valuable and are things that our staff want to use on a consistent basis now to help us, to help us reflect and, and continue to, to improve and, you know, climate and culture being a top one yeah. and improving communication. Did, did you guys go through the um, PLC coaching Academy? Is that when you say, tools was that one of them no it was the school improve uh school improvement plan process it was an, it was something new from wde this year um different than what they've had in the past and uh it was you know there was a lot involved with it and quite a few steps um but actually um some really good work to put in as a staff to to make some decisions so i was uh, I was appreciative of it. I think it was really beneficial for us. And I, I love our staff. We have a great staff. We have great leaders that are willing to, to speak their mind and have, you know, critical and crucial conversations. So even though I would say we have a tremendous culture here, um, it's something I'm always willing to continue to address and continue to try to improve. Yeah. When, when you came into that school at Hillcrest, was there already a, a structure in place for a leadership team or a guiding coalition? Yeah, there was, it was, um, but it was more focused on, um, it was more focused, like it was com- composed of, of classroom teachers. And so one of the things that we kind of recognized is that we had, you know, had a leadership team, a leadership team of classroom teachers that did a lot of great work, but then we, we had, I, I, I guess I kind of categorized them as silos, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we have like, you know, we're an ESL school. And so we have, you know, these tremendous um, tremendously effective and dedicated, you know, ESL teachers. And then we have a large uh, special education department as well. Um, one of our programs is for students with, you know, multiple 
um, disabilities. And so we have, you know, a large, a large program there. And so what we had is a lot of teams kind of working effectively, but are, you know, kind of, again, I'll use the, the terms kind of north, south, east, west communication wasn't as consistent and concise as it, as it could have been. If, if you came in new as a principal and there wasn't anything in place as far as a leadership team or guiding coalition, how would you, how would you recommend somebody starts? Yeah, I think you would. And everybody's leadership style is a little bit different. You know, you'll listen to some guys, I believe it's um, Mike Matos, you know, would tell you to identify, um, identify those people and invite them on. Um, I'm, I like to engender trust of my teams. And so, you know, uh, what I would do is I'd say, hey, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a, this committee and this is going to be kind of the purpose of it. Please, you know, nominate somebody from your team to come be, you know, the kind of the representative and the spokesperson and bring them together that way and, and kind of um, put that back on, you know, put it back on the team of teachers. Yeah, that, that was the case when I, when I came here this year, you know, there wasn't a, at least recently, there wasn't a, a staff leadership team or, you know, like a parent parent advisory or other stakeholder group. And it's been interesting to see kind of the reaction of, of staff. You know, we took teachers and had a meet as a, a content area PLC, which is, you know, pretty typical for secondary schools and had them kind of elect a facilitator. And then when we're at our first training, we we're doing um, a couple of weeks ago, they, those teachers had a really hard time understanding like you are, a leader you are here to represent you know the math team <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and and you know it's like people people want to have input and people um, people want to be involved but then it's like wait yeah I am the leader of my team it doesn't mean you make all the decisions and you're responsible for everything but it's a little bit different when staff haven't been in that position and right. you know it was the other thing that was interesting you talked about having that cross-section and trying to include all those those silos so all staff feel like they're, you know, involved and included in communication and decisions. We, we had our content area leaders saying, hey, we don't have enough representation. We got to get a counselor. We got to get an elective teacher. You know, it's like, yes, we do. We do. It's not just math and reading or, you know, right. core, core area uh, staff. So, yeah, the parents, too. We had parent-teacher conferences this week, and <clears throat> I tried to recruit couple uh couple volunteers and a lot of parents were like well what is a parent advisory <laughs> and yeah one of the, one of the things that i didn't expect uh some of the students that were there with their parents they're like you don't want my mom mr mckelkey and i said well why not she'll tell you how it is and i'm like those are the people we want you know yeah, if we ask absolutely for, we ask for input we we want to hear the truth uh don't don't beat around the bush and just tell us everything's great because we know that's not true so yeah. What, what would you say is something really unique about the culture of your school, Brad? This is a, this is a building that, um, and I, and I kind of picked this up right off the bat. Um, you know, our mission is, you know, um, to provide social, emotional and academic to support to ensure all students learn. And I think this is a school that truly embraces, especially that social and emotional piece and putting that on the same, on the same playing playing field level playing field as as the academics our staff cares very deeply about 
every single one of our kids and not to say that other schools don't. And, you know, um, I guess I've been fortunate enough in my career to, you know, to, to work in schools that, that feel that way. But it, I mean, it is a living, breathing element of Hillcrest elementary that every kid is cared for as an individual and supported as an individual. And it's, I think it, um, you know, I think it's come through, um, you know, we talk about kind of the, the issues in, in the world of education right now with teacher recruitment and retention. And, you know, I'm sure where you guys are at hiring is probably as difficult, if not more difficult than, you know, where we're at here in, in you know, Northeast Wyoming in Gillette. Um, but I feel like our culture and, and um, how it feels in our building has allowed us to attract some teachers and, and get some people to come work here because of, because of that culture. So um, that's another reason why it's vitally important. You know, you want people to come to work for you and you want them to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that ultimately means more than, you know, a small, small hiring bonus or a little higher salary. I think if people feel like, you know, this is the kind of school, this is the kind of district I want to be in. That's what attracts people and keeps people. Absolutely. Um, how about one other, this is kind of off topic, but you and I um, have talked about this a little bit and I think we both have birthdays coming up on November 6th, right? For kids. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that'll be sure, my, yeah. my oldest daughter will turn four. And then which, which one of yours has a birthday? Uh, it's, it's our, uh, our middle son. He'll be three. Yep. He'll be turning three on the sixth. And it's also happens to be my mom's birthday as well. Oh, nice. It's a big yeah. day. Yeah. It is a big day. Yep. <laughs> So, so how do you, how do you balance or, or what advice would you have? I, I think one of the realities of being a new administrator is you're feeling buried and the, the time commitment is probably the greatest that first year or two. Mm-hmm. What, what advice or help would you offer administrators that are also trying to be a, a husband or a wife, a dad or a mom, as well as a, a principal? The first thing I would say is um, you have to um, you have to acknowledge the difficulty of it, and that it's 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 going to be hard, um, and it's going to it's going to wear you out, especially especially early on. You know, I had this. Um, I started with the, you know I started my administrative career, and, and my wife and I we didn't have kids. I was able to dedicate a tremendous amount of time mm-hmm. to the job. Um, and didn't have, you know, but now as a dad of three, um, from ages five down to going to be a year old in December, uh, the job, the, the job has changed. And I think you really ultimately have to, um, start with, you know, if you're talking leader and me talk, you know, what are your, what are your big rocks or, you know, what are your priorities? What are the things you have to get done? And then, um, for me personally, it, I'm, I'm completely routine driven during the school year you know, I'm waking up at the same time every single day. Like my morning looks the same barring a major, you know, need to get something done, like a big deadline coming up or something like that. I'm trying to get out of the building at the same time in the, in the, in the afternoons and the evenings. And when I get home, I'm home, you know, um, I think I heard it on the, the last episode, um, of transformative principle that, that I heard you on you know, when, when you're home, you have to be home. You have to be present with your family. Um, you know, if your phone's dinging with an email, let it ding and, and approach it in the morning. Um, because if you don't set those boundaries for yourself, um, 
then then you won't be effective. You know, I have the fortunate, I'm fortunate here in Gillette, you know, we have quite a large number, you know, it's a large school district. We have several, several um, elementary schools and there's a good, you know, a good cohesion with our elementary school principals. And I've got, you know, another, another principal who's got four kids and they're younger. And, um, you know, we, we talk frequently about um, if I'm not focused on being a good dad, there's in a good husband, there's no way I can be an effective principal. Yeah. And so um, it's really, a, you know, how do you dedicate your, your time, your time resources? Cause it's a time's a valuable commodity and you're not gaining any more of it, no matter how much you try. So how are you going to divide up the time that you have? Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've struggled with that. I know like last school year um, I told my wife, Emily, you know, I'm going to be home in time for dinner which of course you get a pass when there's games and conferences and board meetings and stuff, but I'm going to be home in time for dinner. And uh, maybe eight, nine weeks into the school year, I came home, put my stuff down, sat at the dinner table and I was kind of bragging like, Hey honey, look, I haven't missed dinner, you know, for this many weeks (laughs) thinking, thinking I deserved a gold star. And then I'll never forget. She goes, yeah, well, why don't you start coming home and maybe cooking once a week? (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) you know, you think you're doing a good job as a dad. And then you're like, all I was doing was showing up and, and with little kids, you know, during the week they're, they're going to bed early. And, and that's hard because I, I've struggled just the kind of the guilt where if you know, you're not present when you're home, your kids pick up on that, your spouse picks up on that. Um, Mm -hmm. But you also feel guilty if you're not getting things done that need to be done at school. Yeah. And and that's a hard, uh, there's always more work to do at home and at school. So I guess just kind of having those, those routines in place and those boundaries. And a lot of that, I think comes from the cell phone too. shut the, shut the dang thing off when you get home. You really, yeah, you really have to, you kind of have to put it, put it aside. And, you know, and and I've, I mean, I've looked at so many different, um, like, how do I organize myself, you know, organization being such a a major part of what we do and how do I, you know, how do you organize, how do you prioritize, how do you delegate when, you know, what can you delegate as a principal versus what you can't delegate as a principal. One of the things I really appreciate about my staff in those, in those um, reflective conversations we had, you know, one of the, one of our teachers, one of our veteran teachers, you know, she brought up like, let us take things off your plate, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I, I really appreciated that, that, that sentiment from them. Um, because yeah, and that's a hard thing. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I've put a lot of time into trying to develop different organizational systems, um, you know, going out and finding these, you know, different leadership podcasts. There's a, there's a wealth of resources out there and of, of ideas. And so just looking through those things and discovering what works for you, but, um, at the end of the day, my, my administrative life got better. I think the biggest thing that made like the, the most significant, significant change I made is that I said, I'm going home at this time and I won't be working when I get home unless something major comes up, you know, or, or there's a massive deadline coming and just making that change that really helped. And I did that. Um, I would say really kind of started that last year. Um, you know, um, and I think it's, it's helped tremendously. Yeah. Well, Brad, tell, tell the listeners, what's the best way, uh, to get in contact with you if they, they have questions or they, they want to chat. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody wants to chat, um, you know, you can shoot me an email. It's, um, B Gregorich, G R E G 
O-R-I-C-H at ccsd1schools.net. Um, that's probably the best way email I, I did. I'll, I'll have to tell you um, your uh, conversation you had with um, Jethro last time about your Twitter account. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. Long time lurker, um, you know, short, short time uh contributor to the space you know unless it's something about packers football then you might uh, find me but uh, yeah. yeah you know i'm not a, not a huge social media guy um and i know it's kind of that's definitely the world that we're living in but i um you know but yeah email is probably the best way okay so. thanks brad hey last question we always want to end with on the on the podcast what mm-hmm. what can leaders do this week to be more of a trans transformative principle like you Oh, I think the, I think you absolutely, as a, as a leader of a school, as a leader of any organization, acknowledge the fact that you aren't always going to be the expert in the room. You don't always have all the answers and be open to the feedback from, from your staff and, you know, um, seek their feedback and be ready to listen to it. You know, you know, we're, we're not always going to be able to implement feedback and some decisions Lance solely on the on the shoulders of an administrator, you know, of, of the principal, but um, seek that feedback. Be open about seeking that feedback, and be willing be willing to be reflective. And when it's maybe not something you want to hear, because you know we we've always got to be evolving as 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 school leaders. So great, open well, th- and open and reflective. Yeah, that, that's great, Brad. Thank you again. Really appreciate having a chance to have you on the show this morning yeah absolutely do you want to simplify your school's technology save teachers time improve students performance on state assessments you can do it all but don't waste another minute head straight to ixl.com be to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.